Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Moms. This is Dorothy Polarski. Welcome each, welcoming each and every one of you as you sign on to Midday Moms. Um, as you sign on, I would ask if you could to say hello to us in the chat box. You know, so if you're Helena, you might say, hey, I'm Helena from Hamilton or I'm Dorothy from Delaware. Um, we love hearing from you. We love knowing that you're here. Our podcast is interactive, so please do uh, say hello in, during the podcast. If you have any questions, um, you know, place them in the chat. Don't be shy. So many of you have, um, you know, joined us before, and some of you may have be joining us from the very, very first time. So I'd like to tell you a little bit about um, myself. Again, my name is Dorothy Polarski, and our ministry works in partnership with the Archdiocese of Toronto. And if you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can join us and visit. Uh, it's really easy. It's three words. CatholicMomsGroup.com, CatholicMomsGroup.com, and we are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood, and we do so primarily by helping parishes start Catholic Moms Groups. I'm going to share with you, I, I know some of you are thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, I've got, you know, Roxanne here and Patty here. I just want to take a few minutes to show you our three-minute um, ministry video so that maybe someone here will be inspired to start a Catholic moms group. So let me share our ministry video. Mothers, by our very nature, we are nurturing, loving caregivers. We are social beings made for friendship and community. We are also spiritual by nature, made by a loving God to know him and love him, and to pass this love of our Catholic faith on to our children. But right now, many mothers feel overextended, distracted, and exhausted. Though as Catholics, we have the community of our church, many mothers attending Mass could not name the moms sitting next to them in the pew they share. Community and support among Catholic mothers is desperately needed in this hectic and chaotic culture. Your parish needs you to bring these moms together. Hi, my name is Dorothy Polarski. I'm the founder of Catholic Moms Group. We at Catholic Moms Group are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. We exist to bring together like-minded, faith-filled mothers who crave community and are focused on spiritual growth, Catholic teaching, and fellowship. Can you imagine a thriving, engaged mothers group at your parish? a group of moms in love with their Catholic faith, ready to serve other mothers no matter what stage of motherhood they're at. Can you imagine what a difference that would make at your parish? Starting a mother's group, it's not rocket science. 
but working with a team who's done it before and who's done it dozens and dozens of times sure does help. The Catholic Moms Group membership site is an online community that offers training, resources, and dozens of tools for parishes to help them start a mother's group quickly and efficiently. We're here to provide you with a clear path to launching a Catholic Moms Group at your parish. All of our materials are 100% Catholic. We have clearly laid out meetup plans for both moms groups and toddler groups. We are obedient to the magisterium of the Catholic Church. We have created dozens of tools that are going to save you time and energy. And besides that, we love our Blessed Mother. We constantly turn to her for her intercession. You can make a huge impact in your parish, so join us. We are revolutionizing the way parishes start mothers groups by providing parishes with a Catholic mothers group starter kit and by nourishing and training a community of Catholic mothers group leaders across the world. It's time to start a mothers group at your parish. Join us today. Again, um, one of the reasons these virtual meetups started was because of the pandemic. And so uh, because our, a lot of our mother's groups couldn't meet in person, um, you know, Canada has had some remarkable restrictions. And so Midday Moms was a response to the pandemic and it also provided our ministry with the opportunity to take all of the materials that we developed and upload them to uh, a membership website. We are eternally grateful to um, the Archdiocese of Toronto because there's no way we you know, could have accomplished this. We are not a business. I always like to repeat that over and over again. We are faith partners with the Archdiocese of Toronto. And we now have mothers groups in the North Pole, in Mississippi, in Ohio, in Indiana, and across, of course, you know, the Archdiocese of Toronto, um, Archdiocese of Peterborough. Uh, so we, we've helped dozens and dozens of groups start. And a lot of uh, moms like to do a book study. And so that's part of the reason that we're here today is to encourage you to discover this amazing, amazing new book called um, What Would Monica Do? Let me introduce you to uh, Patty McGuire Armstrong, who is an award-winning journalist with the National Catholic Register. Um, I could go on and on and on. You know, she's been on EWTN, on Catholic TV, on Fox and Friends. Um, she has her own TV show. She's, you know, before I, before I got to know Patty, I used, I, I loved doing a lot of reading by Patty. And um, Patty, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself just to sort of fill in the gaps before I introduce uh, Roxanne? Well, I was actually, um, I worked as a social worker. I have a master's in public administration, but I always, I took a year of journalism at University of Detroit. So when I, we have 10 kids and I started, um, when I, as I wanted to stay home, I was able to freelance. And so really that became 
what I always knew I wanted to do is, is write. In the last two years ago, I was offered the opportunity to be a talk show host with Ladies of Another View. We have a lead host and one of the leads, and then we'll have like two or three other women. And it's a secular show. So I went from secular writing to Catholic writing. And when this was offered to me, I just thought, well, this doesn't make sense. But now I understand it makes perfect sense. I've had an exorcist on, a couple priests. I have a, a, a sister coming on next week in a full habit. Um, so we talk about everything under the sun, but I'm able to bring in certain aspects occasionally of the Catholic faith to kind of give people a window into the world of Catholicism in a way that maybe they might not be aware of. Um, I show, I, when I cover those topics where I have a Catholic priest or bishop or nun, it's, I, we talk about things that are, everybody can relate to. So, um, and, and as far as Roxanne and I writing the book, I've written many books, um, but this one was special because it took a lot of humility to write it um, because it's not, you know, not all our kids have left the faith, but some have. And there's a lot of people in the media that don't want to talk about that. They don't want people to know because they're afraid it might reflect on them. And we really felt like, no, we're going to write this book and share that even if you're a young mother, that there is a lot to learn just, just from all the different things we covered in this book. Yeah, and, and so Roxanne covers religion for her city's daily newspaper, and she writes a pro-life column, column rather for her diocese, and she serves as a real presence radio host and speaker and contributes to CatholicMom.com and the National Catholic Register and various other publications. Uh, prior to co-authoring What Would Monica Do?, Roxanne co-authored the pro-life memoir of Romana, Ramona Trefino, Redeemed by Grace. And so it's a remarkable honor to have both of you here. And um, I just got a note from somebody that they did try to send a message in the chat and that the chat is disabled. Now, I didn't do that consciously or deliberately. So I apologize for that. If you do have uh, any questions as a part of the interview, we will ask you to just put them in the Q&A and I'll um, look them. So I apologize. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. It, we usually always have the, the chat running. So forgive me uh, for that. So um, we're here today interviewing um, Patty McGuire and Roxanne about a new book they've written, What Would Monica Do? So who is Monica? Who is St. Monica? And what can she offer those of us feeling despair over a child that may have departed from the faith or maybe even a husband that's departed from the faith? So who, who was St. Monica? Go ahead, Roxanne. She was a mother and a wife who lived in the fourth century. She was someone that was uh, living in a time when Christianity was pretty new. She was a fervent Christian, but also there was uh, a lot of paganism around her. Her own husband was a pagan. Um, so there's a whole story. I'm sure we only know part of the details of how she ended up with her husband, Patricius, but they had three kids. Two of them stayed in the faith and one of them uh, famously left the faith for 17 years, followed a 
heretical uh, religion, uh, was very rebellious, uh, indulged in everything you can think of, came home with an illegitimate son and a, a, a girlfriend that he was never going to be able to marry, uh, just really went down a path of kind of destruction of soul, and then uh, ended up converting and becoming one of the more famous people in all of Christendom. His books are still in bookstores today. Uh, he's inspired Catholics and Protestants alike, and his mother's prayers were at the center of all of this. And so here you've got, I don't know if any of you here have a son that may have been away from the faith for three years, four years, five years, six years, and you know, um, St. Augustine, who is the son, um, was away for 17 years. So I think that sends all mothers a very, 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 very strong and powerful uh, message. Now, there are there things that parents could have done differently in raising our children to prevent the outcome? What can we do now maybe to make up for past failings? Um, any thoughts on that? Yes, we do address that directly. And I wanna make the point that we, Roxanne and I both know people whose parents are away from the faith. So that may be the situation of some people. So we talk about you know the, the cross of a loved one being away from the faith. It might be a sibling, it could be a godchild. Um, but I mean, we approach it from the perspective of parents but we include many, many other stories of other parents in different situations. When it comes to what could we have done differently, that's the question that is, um, it's like a grenade because so many people are carrying that with them. Oh, I could have done this, I could have done that. And I homeschooled my kids for 19 years and then they went to Catholic school and they graduated from Catholic school, very strong in their faith. Some stayed that way. Um, some are, are still Catholic practicing. Um, but it's a mistake to think if I only would have done this because God's first children, Adam and Eve, didn't listen to him. Jesus' apostles didn't all listen to him. They all ran away at the foot of the cross. Judas surely went his own way and um, sold, sold uh, Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Peter denied him. And so we have to be careful because um, having homeschooled and been around moms that take their faith very seriously, you do get good results because your kids are so open to what you're telling them and you get good results. So you have to be careful not to look at other people and saying, huh, well, their kids don't even know the prayers because we have some priests in our diocese, wonderful priests whose parents didn't even go to mass. So it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> their parents didn't even try and I tried everything, but we have to move away from thinking we can control this situation. I thought I had plugged all the holes, that there's no way any of my kids would ever leave the faith because they were embracing it, they knew it. So we have to do our best. Doesn't mean don't try because, oh, what difference does it make anyways, you know? I don't have any control over this. We do our best and like Mother Teresa says, or used to say, you know, to do your best and then leave the results to God. And so whatever the results are, we have to just really work on being humble, not judging other people. And if we look back and say, oh, I'm, I, nobody's perfect so we're going to have regrets we're going to have things oh i wish i would have done this or that differently that's what the sacrament of confession is for you know repent tell god you're sorry and then move on one of our chapters is worry is not a prayer we can't become paralyzed 
we can't become zapped of our joy and be all stressed out like, how am I gonna stop my child from leaving the faith and looking for all the clues? Just do your best and keep surrendering our children to God wherever they are in their journey. Now, I'm just gonna pipe in a little bit before I, I move on to the next question. Um, you know, I know that between, <laughs> when I read this last night, my mind kind of went, whoa, but between the two of you, between you, Patty, and, and Roxanne, you have 15 children altogether. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, how is it that, 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 that the two of you came to write this book? Like, I, it, because it's a, it's a book that's much needed. And for those of you, uh, maybe that are just joining us. Uh, we're interviewing uh, uh, Roxanne and Patty. They've written a book called What Would Monica Do? And it caters to um, just people that have family, have loved ones who have lost the faith. And I, I do have to tell you that as soon as I started reading the book, I couldn't put it down. And it, and it really surprised me because... So far, by the grace of God, my kids are practicing the faith. Um, and so I was like, wait a minute, this book is really drawing me in. And I, I, I want to commend you. It is written with such clarity and with such beauty that it, it, it just really, really um, touches you, whether or not you've got, uh, you know, people that have left the faith or not. So I encourage you. Um, to get the book. It's called What Would Monica Do? If people want to get the book, where would they get it? Um, just before I go to the next question, where would they go if they wanted to? Because I went on Amazon and it says that it's not released in Canada. So um, try Ascension Press and try to, if you can't get it in your, I know I have a friend in Canada that did get it. She's in the Regina area. So um, you might want to just try your local Catholic bookstore and just ask for it. They should be able to get it. I, I know that at least that part of Canada has. So, um, and then, yeah. Now, just, I went to Sun, uh, just for those of you that are Canadian, because I know some of you are American and some of you are Canadian and we love, you know, all of you. I went to Sunrise Publications and they're apparently Ascension Press's distributors here in Canada. Um, okay. so if you're not finding it on Amazon Canadian, try Amazon American. And if you're not finding it, like go to Sunrise if you're in Canada trying to get the book, because you have to get your hands on this book, guys. This is like one book that is written with a tremendous amount of beauty and clarity. Um, so that, that's an important point. I think you made, Patty, about the sacrament of reconciliation, too, because I know that sometimes moms will come to a Catholic moms group and they'll say, oh, I didn't know that. And I didn't. I'm like, what do you mean you didn't know that? Uh, you know, like sometimes I'm surprised, right? Like, what do you mean that you didn't know that contraception is a like it's a mortal sin. So you got to make sure that you teach your kids that so they know, right, that, that they can't be contracepting. And, you know, you got to tell your teenage boys, you know, masturbation is a mortal sin. You can't get to heaven with a mortal sin on your soul. And sometimes women, their eyes are kind of like popping. And, well, you know, when we don't know, we don't know. But if you do feel convicted, and let, let, let's pretend you didn't get your you know, kids to mass every Sunday or something, and you knew that 
not going to mass, it's a mortal sin, then, then yes, you, you need to go to confession and the Lord will bless um, and give you graces uh, that, that you wouldn't uh, have otherwise had. So if, if there is something that you did, you know, you want to free yourself of it by going to confession. And if even one of you goes to the sacrament of reconciliation, um, that would be great for of this program. But then the second part is give yourself a break, right? Like you've gone to confession, you've confessed it, and now you got to move on and give yourself a break. And like, I know too many moms that give themselves permission to be miserable for the next 20 years because their son lost the faith. And I'm like, well, that's just stupid, right? <laughs> like, yes. you, you don't, you don't want to do that. You don't want to remain in misery and not be joyful because your son or your husband isn't practicing the faith. Because the more miserable you are, then the less you're going to attract them to it. Right. So anyway, I just want to right. like, it's just like, you don't want to be miserable. You want to be the opposite of miserable. You know, you want to show them that, you know, that your joy comes from the Lord, not from what they do. Um, so why are so many young people leaving the Catholic faith and what can we as parents and loved ones do about this? Or is there anything that we can do because it just seems like people are leaving in droves. Any thoughts? No, one of the things earlier you were talking about the fact that we have 15 kids and one of the things I wanted to jump in and say is yes, 15 pretty uh, strong-willed kids. <laughs> I, I would say Patty and I have kids that are uh, thinkers and inquisitive and um, you know, they're not passive. Uh, they take after their moms <laughs> and their dads. And so, you know, we, we delight in, in our children and their, in their beautiful gifts. And we can't lose sight of that. What you were just saying, we can't become sour-faced Christians and be so torn up by this diversion that, yes, is very painful and, yes, requires some tears on occasion and is a daily surrender. But at the same time, we have to remember to trust in the Lord, to hope in the Lord, and know that when we gave our children to him in baptism, we were truly handing them over him, them over to him and allowing him to fill their lives with grace and that those seeds are still planted. They're never going to go away. He's never going to say, sorry, I'm giving them back. It's not working out. That's not how God works. He has our children in his, in the palm of his hand. And, you know, at this point in our lives, when our children are older and starting to go away or are away from our homes, there's a shift in parenting. There's a shift in perspective, and it can be a hard time of transition, but we have to, you know, we are mothers. We were connected to them from the beginning. Parents, dads too have a stake in this. And so, um, again, to come back to that relationship, I think, Dorothy, and, and you asked how it was that we ended up writing this together. And, you know, uh, it wasn't a thing where Patty and I met and we said, hey, let's write a book together. We had the relationship first for about 10 years of walking and talking when we would visit each other um, in our respective cities in North Dakota and discovering that we had some shared heartache and very tenderly unwrapping that heartache and allowing each other to pray for each other. So it became a relationship first. And then we realized, oh, I think there's other mothers, there's other fathers in this situation. We have drawn comfort and consolation from one, other, one another 
can we give that to others? And that's what this whole book is about. So I'm glad that you um, are sensing that, the, the heart that goes behind it, the pain, the suffering, but also the joy and the hope that we live with as well. Um, so Patty, do you have any thoughts on why um, people are leaving the faith? Like, do you have any thoughts on why like young kids now are leaving mm -hmm. the faith? Sure. You know, I didn't think my kids would ever leave. I had a son who was, um, he was going into his junior year in college and he was teaching CCD and he wrote, he shared with me a poem he wrote about the Eucharist. So I thought I was out of the woods worrying about that. Um, but what I, so I look back and I think, okay, what happened here? And I think sometimes they have a foot in both worlds. And I know with um, having interviewed Raymond Arroyo on Mother Angelica and reading about Mother Teresa, they went through a dark period where they kind of felt an emptiness, but they had that habit of prayer. And so I think if that's one thing we can tell our kids, maybe help um, prepare them for those times where they might start to feel further away or pulled away. All I know is I can, I can go to a family reunion and, and hang out with my sisters and sisters-in-laws and, and already I'm, I'm slipping away from my prayer routine. And I, you can so quickly feel like you're getting more drawn into the world. Well, our kids are in a, the world. Um, and if they're not protecting themselves and, and preserving their prayer life, I think it's easier for them to slip away um, because I didn't expect it. But one thing I was doing some work with Monsignor Asif, who is an exorcist in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And so I let him know that um, I had two kids that were not in the faith, just so that, you know, full disclosure type of thing that even though I'm a Catholic writer, um, this is our situation. And he said, he met Padre Pio and um, I believe he can read souls. I've talked to people who he's read their souls. And when I was telling him that, he said, nope, nope. He was talking about my son and he said, cause he was working in Guatemala for the poor, but he wasn't believing in God at that time. And now he's kind of new agey. But anyways, um, he said, it's not, he thinks it's him, but it's Jesus in him. And he's living off the fat of his Catholic faith. And I thought that was just beautiful that, um, um, that what we did did make a difference. Yeah. And, and, you know, one, one thing I, I like to kind of stress too, is like, is that, you know, I was born in Poland, but came to Canada when I was, you know, a child and, when I went back to Poland on several occasions to visit, I kind of thought, oh my gosh, it would be really easy to be Catholic in Poland because the culture supports the faith, right? And so, you know, if you go on a bus in Poland, not too many people are talking about, um, you know, horoscopes, not too many people are talking about going to yoga. Uh, if you go on the bus, no one basically, very few people at that time anyway were getting divorced. And so the culture supports everything that you're being taught at home. And so, you know, your neighbors looking out for your kids in the context and the vision of being a Catholic, and they'll mention things to you, right? But unfortunately, our North American culture, even though it began with our, you know, founding fathers being Christian, um, you know, when I was growing up going to a public school, we used to sing God Save the Queen. And, and now it's, you know, it's forbidden. And so, 
you know, our, our children are leaving the faith because our culture is not as um, Catholic as what our, some of our European countries are uh, because of consumerism, materialism, uh, because of the influences of, you know, new age, because of the, the friends that they keep. And I always say, like, one of the reasons that a, having a Catholic moms group is so important is because, again, when you're you know, going to work, I used to work at the Royal Bank and Canadian National Institute for the Blind, and you're going to work, well, you're surrounded by a tsunami of anti-Catholic women, right? And so having a handful of Catholic women that practice the faith is like sort of going to a campfire and getting fortified um, in your faith. Okay, so how do you know when to stop pushing religion, right? It, it doesn't mean that we have to give up, but when do we, um, as moms or friends or wives, when do we stop pushing um, religion and what can we do opposed to kind of trying to beat them into submission with the religious stick, you know, <laughs> or guilting them, you know? Um, well, what could we, what are some thoughts on that? You were asking earlier what the causes are, and I know I kind of gave you a circular answer there, but part of it is because there's so many things and, and you just named some of them. One that you didn't name, but I think is a huge part of it is the internet, the thing that we're using right now to communicate. Um, we didn't have that when we were growing up. And so there were some blocks in our own catechesis. Patty and I grew up at a time that there was a, a pretty big void in, in teaching. Um, so, so we missed some things along the way too. And by the way, we're not perfect. And by the way, we're still on our journey as well. So um, it's very, as a humbling thing to look at our own kids' journey and realize we had our own journey and we're still on it. But um, the internet is kind of, kind of taken over in many ways as the parent. And we really can't fight that too much. You know, they, they, all the knowledge is out there at, at the click of a finger. And our, our kids are experiencing that and they're responding to that. That is part of the equation. There's a lot more going on than that. But I would say that that's a huge contributor is the way our world is all connected now. I'm thinking of Poland. Uh, it's probably just a matter of time before they catch up with, with where we're at because we're all so connected through the internet. And so a lot of the young people are getting their instruction from there. But um, that said, <laughs> there's there's still a lot we can offer as, as, as their loving parent because the internet's not gonna be able to give them a hug at the end of a difficult day. The internet isn't going to be able to reach out and, and call them and let remind them of who they are in God's eyes. The internet has limitations. And so that is where we can come in and, I think Patty already alluded to the fact that this book really started as, okay, what is going on? And we kind of try to address some of those cultural things and, and everything that's going on in, in this tsunami of kids leaving this beautiful gem of our Catholic faith. What is going on? But okay, after we, we get past that and, and, and also begin to have different conversations, like you were saying, Dorothy, the, the conversation has to begin to change as they become adults. We can't, we can't, talk to them as, as, as we did when they were little. It is now their turn to have their time with God and for God to direct them. And our, we planted the seeds and now we have to let go. And it's a really hard time. But ultimately, I think we are left with what? We are left with our own ascent to God and our own faith. And it became a book about our own 
need to still grow closer to God and to crawl into God's sacred heart and, and to know that he has it in his hands and that by our example, by our modeling, by our love, that's the, that's what we can offer at this point. We, we can't uh, offer so much catechesis, although you know what, those conversations are going to come up and we're still who we are and we still get to share what we, you know, believe, and we still get to have guidelines for them, but it's different. There's a new respect and it's really, it's really like the prodigal son. We have to let our children go and discover God for themselves. And like St. Monica, she ended up having to rely on a lot of different people like St. Ambrose and other bishops and people along the way that were much more effective in reaching St. Augustine. And so we have to trust that God has people in mind for our children too, and to pray that those people will come onto their path. Yeah. And uh, I, I love that because I've, like I've, you know, one of my prayers has always been, Lord, you know, send the right people into my children's lives, right? And uh, I just would repeat it over and over and over again. And I, like, you know, my husband and I are remarkably different. And so I'm kind of like the I don't know what you would call me, but, you know, my husband's got three master's degrees and he's a convert into the Catholic faith and he read his way into the Catholic faith. And so whenever, and I was born, you know, to two devout pious, you know, my mother was in the Legion of Mary and my father was a church organist and they weren't intellectuals, you know, like my dad was a factory worker. My mom um, was basically a stay-at-home mom. And when she wanted to earn a bit of income so that I could go to Poland too, she'd work cleaning banks at the, you know, night type of thing. So I, I, I didn't know about any encyclicals or, you know, any church. It was just a very pious devotional faith. And I say that just carefully. Um, but whenever, you know, there was a point where, you know, my daughter was pressing me with 172 million questions about this and about that and the other. And it was beginning to bring me to tears because I'm like, you're talking about my beloved. You're not just like talking about Jesus Christ, a historical God person. You're talking about my beloved. And I'm not equipped to have this conversation. You need to have this discussion with your father because because it, it was just too deeply uh, personal for me and so having other people um, that you know that maybe have strengths that that you don't have um, I want to ask you a question Patty and this isn't one of the questions that you gave me but it's one that popped into my head um, I'm a big fan of Layla Miller and do, do would you think you know, I think it's, yes, it's important to love our children. Yes, yes. And even if our children are adults and they've left the faith, yes, it's important to love them. But are there mistakes that Catholic moms make? Is there a, is there a line that we should draw in our love or no? Well, we can't stop practicing our faith. And Roxanne and I have seen it. We, we address it in our book. I don't think there's anything we didn't address on our book. We had some major brainstorming sessions with the publisher and one of the editors to make sure we didn't leave any stone unturned. And one of the things that we have seen is that sometimes people that, uh, parents that did try hard to pan down the faith, and then when their kids grow up and maybe have left the faith, they start to slip away also. 
And so we talk about staying the course and staying true to who we are. But you're right, there's going to be some challenging situations coming up. Um, you know, we have somebody in the book who talks that we have, we have two stories of same-sex attraction. One, he converted and left that lifestyle behind. One is um, a woman that is a friend of both of ours who shared her faith. We, we uh, Most of the stories are anonymous so that people could be free to share their stories and not worry about who was going to read it and what they shared. And her son did have uh, a fake same-sex marriage, which of course she didn't attend, but she... I, I loved her story because it shows how she loves him, supports him, but does not go there, does not support that lifestyle. Now we have the situation of what if our kids are living with somebody? What if they're getting married outside the church? Well, St. Monica really is an example to us because St. Augustine came home. He got off into a new age religion when he went away to school, came back with a child out of wedlock and a girlfriend that he wasn't going to be able to marry because of social uh, you know, prohibitions. Um, so here you got a situation that's very much of what we're seeing today. And mm -hmm. for a while, she kicked him out of the house, feeling that it was too much. She had two other younger children. She had two other children that never did leave the faith. A lot of people don't know about that. Um, but of course, she went after the lost sheep, St. Augustine, until, until he finally did come back. But we have searched, um, especially when it comes to the question of weddings, we tell people, talk to their pastor, talk to their um, spiritual advisor that we have looked into this far and wide. We've talked to over nine priests between us. I wrote an article about it a long time ago with the National Catholic Register. I talked to um, an exorcist, Father Pacwa, uh, a, a professor at St. John Vianney Seminary. And, and the thing is, is that yes, Catholics have a responsibility if you're Catholic to marry in the church. Some of these young people are so far, it's like not even a possibility. So then what does the parent do? In all situations, you always have to let them know your desire is for them to get married in the church. You shouldn't be furthering whatever they're doing if they're getting married outside the church. You shouldn't be helping with the ceremony and participating in that way. Whether to attend or not, we're not gonna tell you <laughs> because it does. canon law does not state that you can that it's a sin for you to attend. And I and the priests, the nine priests that we directly talked to about this, including an exorcist who founded the Pope Leo, the 13th Institute for Exorcists, said that you can attend because, but you have to, you can't take it lightly, that you want to further and deepen their relationship with the church and to come back into the faith. Um, but you can't pretend it doesn't matter. Um, but, but you're going to have to discern. I mean, if you have a child that was divorced or broke up another marriage, well, that's a very different situation from two people that are free to marry. And, and the goal has to be clear that you want to bring them into the faith and into the church. But where you go with that and how you handle that is something that's left to your own discernment with the help of a spiritual director or, and go to your pastor and 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 decide what you need to do yeah and it's it's interesting because um i i remember once a dear friend of mine literally out of the blue you know told me she was getting divorced i was like what and then she oh and by the way i'm getting remarried and uh and it's in this church and obviously it was outside the catholic church and she knew that 
I'd been a lecturer at, you know, the cathedral for 20 some odd years. And she goes, of course, we'd like you to read at our ceremony. And I was going to like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went to talk to a priest about it. And he said, you can't read at that service. I'm like, what? And he goes, no, you, you cannot as a Catholic read at that service. And so I've had priests on the one hand say, no, you cannot attend, um, a wedding outside of the church. And then I've had another priest uh, say, yes, you can, but you've got to stand at the back, not participate in the service, but be an observer of the service. Um, it, it is extremely important that you get spiritual direction uh, loaded with a tremendous amount of prayer. Um, because I've, I've had situations where I say, no, I cannot go to that service. I don't want to bring my children with me to that service where a female is going to be celebrating the mass to cause confusion to my own children. I'm just not going to do that, right? Um, so you want to use your own discernment. Now, I, I do... And I say I say this with caution, um, and sometimes I say things I shouldn't say, and I'm praying that this isn't one of those times. But I think that too often um, moms or that we lose ourselves in the sins of others, right? Because we so much want the love of our son, or we so much want the love of our husband, who maybe lost the faith, that we're afraid to call a spade, a spade, and to be loyal to our God-given conscience because of, like, maybe we're loving our kids too much, right? Like, let's say, for example, you know, well, I don't know what you guys think of this, but let's say your son has a girlfriend, you know, would you allow that girlfriend to live with your son in your house, right? common law like like to me there's got to be a point where you draw the line and say no i'm not comfortable with that and and that's kind of the policy that you know i've always taken like is like in this house in these four walls it's not happening right um what you do outside of the home but like it's my job to keep this home as much as humanly possible sacred right it might be not as clean as it should be <laughs> so getting the house blessed for example but but do you think a lot of women and not a lot of women but do you think a lot of people kind of like you know like not, i don't want to say sell their souls because that sounds too extreme but that they they, they they're not confident enough in standing up for uh what they believe internally because they're kind of like wanting to hold on to an illusion of love or like, I don't know, what, what do you think? I know it's a Tom bombshell there, but what are your thoughts? Roxanne, or <laughs> I, I just, I, I think that it's easy to look on the outside and look at people and think you know what their situation is. And I think God knows the heart and knows every single situation. I don't think it's hard to comment on something like that because uh, I, you know, we just don't know people's hearts and souls and their journeys and we don't know what they're carrying. And so I think we have to be so, so careful in, yeah. in um, giving out too much judgment about those situations. Yeah. Yeah. So that I, 
Yes. And I would say, Dorothy, um, yes, we can't be enablers. There's, you know, you can love somebody, but, um, you know, we have to keep our mind on the prize and that's getting to heaven. But we also can't be judging what other people, their discernment may not be the same as what you did. And maybe you think they're wrong. Like I, we know somebody who's gone, I know a couple of people who's gone to their kids, same sex weddings. Any priest I've talked to said, no, absolutely. You should not go there because that is not a relationship that can be improved. A relationship, a marriage outside the church can be brought into the church. Um, I know somebody just recently that Roxanne and I both know her. She was married outside the church, but her in-laws were such a powerful example and um, was with them the whole way and brought them into the church, accompanied them so that they had their marriage kind of celebrated. And they were such a loving and good example. Every situation is different. And even when I think somebody's doing the wrong thing, I might even know they're doing the wrong thing, but I think we have to be careful not to go with our group of women. We love to talk. We love to visit. We're nurturing conversationalists, but we cross the line sometimes. We have to be careful not to say, oh, look what they did. Like I I, I said early on, you know, we've got priests in our diocese who's, I I talked to one father, he didn't go to mass when he was in high school. And I said, didn't, you're kidding me. Your parents didn't make you go to mass. And he said, well, they would have had to drag me out of bed. And I said, so, (laughs) but I would have been in judgment. Now I know you should go to mass, but you have to pull back. And if you really are concerned and you think they're doing the wrong thing, then pray for them. You might, perhaps if it's appropriate, you might talk with them about it. It depends. I mean, you have to be careful. We can't go around telling the whole world how they're supposed to be living their life. But I, I would just definitely caution against judging people and just go deeper in your own faith and deeper into surrender with your own children, with your own faith life and with them, surrender them to God and pray for them. If you're concerned, if you are concerned and not just being pridefully judging them. Yeah. And I guess like, I was so afraid of my mom. Like, it's like, I knew that she loved me, but she always said like, like, like sometimes if I challenged her, cause I did challenge her on the faith and I did have my own, you know, journey, but my mother would look at me and say, get behind me, Satan. Like, don't mess with, like, cause I guess it was Marian priests that pulled my mother out of the rubble when um, Poland was bombed in World War II. And my mother had an unshakable faith because she goes like, you know, the Marian priests literally, and, you know, not just, they, they saved my life, right? And so um, she was very uncompromising. And she, she was judgmental and she encouraged us. She goes, there's not enough people that are judgmental. <laughs> there's not enough people that are, are critical. <laughs> she goes like, it's like in this country, it's all like, honey, honey, anything goes. She goes, it's not honey, honey, and anything doesn't go. And, you know, so I I have kind of like this just interior conflict between being like, I like, I don't know that I could be unconditionally loving. Um, Anyway, (laughs) one of the things I think it's always life is a balance. And, and so not too far one way or not too far the other way. We do have to remember that God is a merciful God. And he, again, he knows our children. He knows their journeys more than we do. And we can, we can get very prideful. We can want to control things. Um, but at the same time, we don't want to go so soft that, that uh, we're giving a bad example too. So I just, I think one of the biggest 
challenges in life is to be balanced. I'm talking about food. I'm talking about everything we do, exercise. It's just all about keeping things in balance. And that's one of the things that God can help us do is kind of to be our guardrails. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a mix between trying to steadfastly live out our faith and also looking at our children again, through the eyes of God and through the eyes of mercy and realizing that God knows them more than we do every little corner of their heart. And so uh, it's a daily discernment. I think Dorothy, it's something that um, we wake up each day and ask God, what is your will for me? And how can I love my child better? You know, and, and things like having a mother's circle, I just can't say enough about my, my small group uh, women's groups that have helped me along the way because we, we just can't do it alone. And that's why Patty and I wrote the book together because we each had different perspectives and experiences and we needed one another to kind of process through that and pray for each other. So, yeah, no, and I, I appreciate your, your listening to my little rant and like, I, I think I am completely imbalanced. So I want to, this might be a good time to point out that we have a Facebook group called um catholic catholic parents and colon what would monica do uh-huh it's for those with loved ones away from the faith and you oh, wow. so and, and a lot of people we're a lot of people are very alone um struggling with a lot of pain some pretty serious situations but it's a safe place where we can share where maybe we you know feel like there's a certain amount you just don't air your dirty laundry to everybody but where we can share and pray for one another and comfort one another. Um, and that's kind of what our book is part of that too. Is to you comfort. Know, and women, but we know that women tend to be the ones that are looking for that relationship and that support. Now, do um, you have any comments, comments for, for wives maybe that whose husbands have left the faith? Do you have any comments for them? Because um, I think they need comfort and love. Any thoughts for them? Uh, Monica is right there with with those women for sure. Um, she had her husband was not with her. It, they were unequally yoked, and, and there's a lot of people in that situation that do not have the full support. And it makes a difference uh, when you don't have that. When you're raising the kids and being the spiritual leader as the mom, and you really don't want that role. Ideally, we'd want the dad to be leading the charge, and the mom would be right right behind him, you know, with the relational stuff. But that doesn't always happen. And it can be really discouraging for families when they don't have, what do we do? You know, when, when you're bringing your kids to mass on your own and you don't have, have the father there, it could be the other way around where the dad is the one leading the charge and the, the wife is off doing something else. You know, it, 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 we don't need to pile more burden on to people by uh, not, not allowing for some of these situations and into offering support. Because I'm almost sure that God would want us to, to uh, bend down and meet them where they're at and to try to, again, be merciful and understand the, the whole entirety of the situation. There's a lot of brokenness in this culture. There's a lot of mess in our, between our families and our 15 kids, it gets pretty messy. And, um, but yet God is patiently there waiting and, and, and accompany us just as our mother Mary is. And we have so many things at our disposal, the communion of saints and the Holy Spirit and all, all the other people that God has brought into our lives. So we need not despair. I think that's one of the main takeaways of this book is that we don't want people to feel alone, hopeless. Uh, we want them to know that, that despite the situation, the suffering, they can offer it up 
that it can be used for the good. One of our chapters is it's not all bad. Some of the journey that we've been on in this brokenness with our own families has led us closer to God and humbled us and helped us to understand the heart of God better. And so uh, even in this sorrow, we can, we, can, we can dance and know that God is with us and leading us closer to heaven. Yeah, and you know, I just one thing that I do struggle with, and I've taken it to confession, and I'll, you know, like I know people have said, "Oh, Dorothy, you're so harsh," and I'm like, "Dang!" <laughs> <laughs> so forgive me if you know any of you that are listening. I, uh, in my enthusiasm, I, I, I struggle with being harsh. Um, so forgive me. Um, for that. Um, let me just make sure I've covered all the, the questions here. Um, when a relationship of a loved one has become com contemptuous, how do you let go of the anger? How do you let go of the unforgiveness to allow your heart to be filled with peace and comfort? That's a very important question, Dorothy. Um, we have a whole chapter on spiritual warfare. We have one on anger and forgiveness. Because a lot of times when you think about when your child is in his, their terrible twos, you know, the conflict starts to take on a more seriousness where you start to see there's a hard headedness and that you don't get to, you aren't them. And so you can't always control, even though you want what's best for them. So um, we do talk about giving forgiveness, forgiving ourselves, you know, for our mistakes um, and forgiving them. Because in my, in my time um, interviewing exorcists, and I do have quotes from exorcists in the book uh, on the chapter of spiritual warfare. It's very important that we forgive. Otherwise, it's a foothold to the devil. And we don't have to agree with them. We don't have to pretend we agree with them. I have no problem. My kids know that I want everyone to get married in the church. I have a, a, a fifth child preparing, coming back to the faith, planning a spring wedding um, in the church. So um, they know my heart's desire, but they also know that I'm going to love them no matter what. And that sometimes we're not going to agree on everything, but they know where I stand. There's no doubt. And I'm not, I'm not going to enable and show up like I'm not going to, you know, I wouldn't go to a yoga ceremony or whatever um, and burn sage. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. But we do have to, this anger and forgiveness, we go into it in a deeper way, much deeper than we can talk about right here. But we do have to get to the point of even if they're upsetting us, then think of them as a baby. Think about the good that they've done and think about the fact that you love them and find that forgiveness within your heart. And then the pain that they're causing you, give that up and offer it back for them. You know, you can offer it as a gift when you unite it to the cross of Christ. And another point on that note is that we can't go back. We can go back and kind of heal some things, go through counseling if we need to, whatever about our past. We can't really do much about the future. We don't know for sure if they're going to come back or not. And it might be after we die, even, you know, we don't know anything about the future. God is in the present. So, <laughs> Patty, did you get the fly? <laughs> no, I, just, I didn't. <laughs> I killed one this sorry, morning. I'm sorry for that. Yeah, but anyways, keep going. Yeah. But anyway, the, the God is in the present and so is that fly. And, <laughs> and um, that's really all we really can do is, is, is start with today and, and to, to have the best relationship we can with them today. And, and that might require a softness. It might require uh, something more than that, but um, God will lead us to it through it. And the Holy Spirit will help us know what to say at the right time, but staying close to him, staying in the sacraments, 
going to adoration, you know, that can be a very healing thing to sit there just in the presence of Jesus and let him infuse our soul with his presence. There's lots of things we can do, but we don't have to despair and we don't have to fret. And yes, we can cry. Yes, we can grieve, but there's always hope. And daily, we need to just keep turning it over to God and letting him guide us. Yeah. Now, there is a question that popped up in the Q&A. I wanted to uh, acknowledge um, her name is Alora. She says, my question to you is something like this. I'm struggling. And do you think that we as a community are not, uh, or separate families, that we don't have enough or offer enough to our kids when they're small um, in order to encourage them to choose Jesus, you know, later on in life. I'm raising a 10 year old and I struggle to find enough resources that would be interesting to make her want to desire uh, for a stronger relationship with God. Uh, I, I think that's a very important point. I think the, the, that, that having resources that are age appropriate at every age, like I was a, a big fan of the CCC of America, you know, saints videos as a way of introducing uh, my children to the, the saints. Um, do you have any thoughts about that, about, you know, age appropriate relationships with Jesus so that the, so that the, um, you know, relationship builds over time? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I we watched all the CCC videos. Um, I would look for activities like they went to a Steubenville retreat, came back and loved it. Um, our St. Mary's High School in Bismarck, North Dakota, the kids grew so much, especially as time went on. It really deepened, the, you know, the quality of the Catholic education improved. And so that stayed with a lot of them, you know, that's with them to this day. And like when Monsignor said that the one that strayed, but he was serving the poor, he said he's living off the fat of his Catholic faith. Um, and so looking for those people in their lives and realizing, you know, I felt like because we had a good Catholic school in the early years, it was not as good as it should have been. Now, you know, it, it became excellent. Um, but I realized I had to pass them off that I, they weren't gonna be under my roof all the time, but I wanted them to be surrounded by good Catholic um, relationships and influences and, you know, fun. Like I, I have a, a new book, two new children's books coming out, Dear God, I Don't Get It and Dear God, You Can't Be Serious. Um, it's in its second public, it's going to be a second release. And the kids that read it, they would read it over and over and over again, because I understood I wanted it to, to be fun. I wanted it to be enriching and just experiencing God. I, you know, some of the stuff that my kids would repeat that I taught them, like before we would start something, we'd say a prayer. Well, I had a 16 year old boy on the speech team who excused himself from a friend and said, I always pray before I go into competition. And the boy said, I do too, let's pray together. And when he came home and told me that, I thought, oh my gosh, two 16 year old boys praying together, you know, high schoolers. So, you know, there's always these little opportunities to kind of embrace and live your faith without hammering it on the head so that they're running away from you but rather think of ways to draw them in. Yeah, yeah, and again, mother's group, I think is great because you meet other Catholic mothers that have, because the resources are there, but you know, if you don't know people that know where the resources are, then you're not gonna get them. I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Roxanne, you were gonna say something? 
Oh, I just say above any kind of resources is just loving our children on a daily basis, um, having a, a relationship with them. You know, uh, they'll see us praying and they'll see what we do and they, they will remember that as well. Um, but also just, you know, answering their questions and, and continuing to, to journey with them and staying close to them and putting the perspective on a family life and building that family life. So I think that modeling is something they'll never forget. Um, I had a daughter that recently got married and she sent an, an love letters to all the special people in her life. And it was the most beautiful letter. I, I thought if I could get a letter like this from all of my kids, I would be like St. Monica and say, I can die now. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy because um, it, it, uh, she went through a whole litany of, of things that she remembered from her whole life of things that I had done that I don't even remember. So they do remember our love. And I think that's we can't over uh, understate or overstate, I guess, um, just that, just our accompaniment of them in their life. You know, here, um, once our children have left home and also left the faith, um, are there ways that we can continue doing our jobs as Catholic parents trying to lead them back? Well, I invite my kids in town to mass every Sunday. My husband often is the one, hey, do you want to come? We're going to, we'll have breakfast afterwards. Like I'll have a meal at the house because I mean, I've got, I've got um, a son who was married in the church, but doesn't always go to mass now. So we always invite them back. Um, we always are that presence that we never, we never like, we're not necessarily sitting them down. They, they know how we feel on things and, and if the opportunity presents itself, but um, we offer to, you know, I, I just bought children's Bibles for some of the grandchildren that um, I spent a lot of time finding because they get they like nice bright pictures. We started reading stories together. Um, so you just, I'm just always looking for those opportunities and we always invite them to come to mass with us. Now our kids who love the faith, they know they don't go to communion, but they mm -hmm. will, you know, I have a son kind of coming back to the faith and his fiance is not Catholic, but she's saying, yes, let's go to mass. Um, but they, until he's all the way back um, and, and, and he's planning a Catholic wedding. He's going to go through marriage prep. He has a favorite priest from high school, um, but he's not going to communion yet because he needs to be, take care of everything he needs to be, to be, you know, fully in the church. So that is one thing that our kids know. We always want them to come to mass with us, but if they're not practicing and they haven't been going to mass, they shouldn't go to communion. Yeah. And the other thing too, I, and I don't know whether this is liturgically correct or legal or whatever, um, but this is oil, old style Catholicism is, you know, I always use like a little blessed salt in my cooking and I always put in a little bit of holy water into a cup of coffee, you know, and I say, Lord. Yeah, I sprinkle them. I, I do it today. To this day uh, with my grown children. And, you know, my husband has started blessing. We heard it from uh, Father Michael Schmidt to his dad made the sign of the cross and gave cross. a blessing to all the children. So Mark does that with our kids, with our grandchildren, regardless of where they are in the faith. But one thing I learned and an exorcist told me that. So I would visit the home of a son who um, isn't, is not Catholic. And I was putting metals and stuff around his house. And, and I was told, you do not have authority over his house. You have authority over your own house. You're better off just praying um, oh, okay. that, that yeah. you don't have that authority. So 
I mean, I put green scapulars everywhere. <laughs> you know, that those green scapulars, if you look it up, um, and then you pray three times. Um, uh, what is it? Immaculate Heart of Mary. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And it's for people that maybe wouldn't wear a medal or a scapular themselves. Uh -huh. um, my son, who's coming back into the faith, he wears a St. Michael, Michael medal and he has for years and it's blessed and he loves St. Michael. So I just say there's all these little helps and protections and invitations. We just always have to be looking for those opportunities and, and pray for those. And whether it's us or somebody else, just keep praying that God opens up little windows in their life. Yeah. And the other thing I encourage moms to do is um, if you go to uh, littleflower.org, uh, I've ordered lifetime masses for my children. It's like, <laughs> I want masses into eternity. Okay. And lifetime masses for my husband and lifetime masses for myself. And um, so like order masses that you don't have to, you know, make them public or anything like that. Cause I know sometimes people are kind of embarrassed to order a mass for, you know, their son that is straight or their husband is straight. But if you go to littleflower.org, you can, and you don't even have to tell them that you've done it. I know that it's helped me tremendously. And I also encourage people to have a priest come over and bless your house. If you know that there's been sin under your roof for whatever reason is come and have the house uh, blessed. Um, okay, if you could uh, give one piece of advice to weary parents and others with fallen away loved ones, what would be that one uh, piece of advice? <laughs> Don't give up. Don't despair. Know that God sees it all and that he works in invisible hidden ways and that there are deathbed conversions. So if you feel like it's just never going to happen and you're going to despair over that. You have to trust in God. God has this and God is in control of the whole world. He just wants to see our hearts and, and we're still little children before him as well. So we have to remember that and be humble before him. And we will, I think, end up with our children in heaven. That's the hope always. Yeah. And I'm going to give you another piece of advice. Get the book. What would Monica do? <laughs> because can I, the say, can I say quickly, my, uh, Father Ger Father Benedict Rochelle, before he died, was doing a program on agnostics and atheists, and somebody called in and said, "Oh, I've been praying for whoever forever, and I'm not seeing anything." And he said, "God will administer the graces, at which time they will do the greatest amount of good." Don't despair. Don't give up. Keep praying, and know that every prayer is being heard, and everyone is going to count. And so what the last question, uh, what quality of St. Monica's do you admire the most uh, as someone who faced a similar heartache? Um, what are some of the characteristics of hers that seem to be the most helpful or the, the least helpful? Tell us a little bit about what Monica would do. What are your thoughts there? Loaded question, I know. <laughs> I think this is kind of a common one, but she's known as being a persistent uh, individual. And I, I think just that continuing to grind it out every day. And, and, and by grinding, I don't mean like it has to be this big, heavy weight, but sometimes life is very heavy. But just to continue on and just continue to keep the eternal perspective in view 
And um, I think that that beautiful persistence and knowing that we're not alone. Uh, I would just say too, I'm, a, I'm consecrated to Mary and having her, um, her mantle over me and my kids is a special blessing as well. Yeah, Mary and consecration. How about you, Patty? Any closing thoughts? I also did a consecration to the Blessed Mother and feel that, you know, of course, we talk to, to God and to the, ask the, for the Blessed Mother and the angels and saints to pray for us and for our intentions. But ultimately, I know I'm just handing everything over. Um, and, you know, I do a chaplet of mercy every day. Um, I did an article on this, uh, Prayers for the Dying, because if they're saved, we could do a chaplet of mercy for them. And if they're saved, they're going to be praying for our children. And I found that in a, a book that's no longer in print, the venerable sister Mary Potter had a devotion to the dying. And I thought, what, who, what, what intention could be more important? These people are at their death. We should be praying for them. And she said, and then they'll pray for your children because she was a sister and didn't have any children. So I thought that was very insightful and promising to her, but yep. I mean, we, you have to still embrace joy and faith and sometimes it's going to feel heavy and sad and take that to the Lord, take it to the blessed mother who will wrap us in her mantle, but still find joy and happiness and love in your life. Yeah. And uh, Judith Mazona, one of our uh, regulars here popped in on the Q and a, she said that another very powerful influence is, you know, praise and worship music in the house. Like sometimes that can touch people more than um, actual words we could probably have a, an entire other program on this and you hit on it is the authority that a mother does have. I think a lot of moms have relinquished their God-given authority uh, as mothers and you know, part of our ministry's mission is to revive the vocation of motherhood and to revive you know, the authority, the God-given authority of the mom, but that's a whole other topic. So um, anyway, I wanted to thank you so much, uh, Roxanne. I wanted to thank you so much, uh, Patty. Um, again, I started to read the book. I couldn't put it down. I would encourage all of you to get the book. It's published by Ascension Press, and it's called uh, what would Monica do? And that's, you know, St. Monica. It's a remarkably thorough book um, written with a tremendous amount of just clarity and, and beauty. And um, yeah, don't wait any longer. Get it, you know, maybe put it on your Christmas list for a few people that you know that are struggling with, you know, uh, people that have, and most of all, just don't be a victim, right? <laughs> don't be a victim, do something. So uh, thank you, Roxanne. Thank you, Patty. Uh, hopefully we can maybe have you on again sometime about your children's books. I'd love to, uh, to hear them. I'm just gonna check the Q&A before I go. Um, Oh, there we go. There's a question that I have no answer here. Uh, do we have authority over stepchildren adopted in the right of adoption, but not legally? Oh, I have no idea. If you are in the care, if those children are in your care, you are their parent. You are their mother. Yes, there is some authority and you can call, surrender them to God and called on on God to help you as you raise them. Because of course he wants you to lead them 
to him, to himself. And so if they're under your roof and they're in your care, um, there is some level of authority. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So if, if you have any uh, further questions, you can either forward them to us and we can forward them on to the authors. You know, again, our mother's group website is Catholic Moms Group, three words, Catholic Moms Group. So if you email us at info at Catholic Moms Group. Uh, Patty, you have a website, right? Well, pattymcguirearmstrong.com. It's, <laughs> it, need, it needs to uh, be improved upon, but it, it exists, yes. It exists, yeah. And uh, so if anybody wants to reach either Roxanne or Patty, you can feel free to Google them or write us and we can forward, you know, the interviews onto them. And uh, I always like to end our session with a song. I'm so glad we had this time together <laughs> just to have a laugh and pray a prayer. Seems we just get started. And before you know it, comes a time we have to say so long oh anybody <laughs> thank you everybody thank you for joining us um a real pleasure uh being here thank you roxanne thank you patty and uh i'll be promoting your book as much as i can because it's a it's destined to be a classic i think because not much has been written on that topic so thank you for your vulnerability thank you for your clarity and thank you for taking it on with such courage okay Bye, everybody. Bye. God um, bless you. Yeah, don't forget God to pray you. for us. Okay, okay. Bye now. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye. Bye-bye.